Welcome to the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Daron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're talking empowering women in fitness and in life with Julie Noyes. What's up, girl? Hello, fellow Boston people, except for Daron. <laughs> except <Yeah>. for <laughs> I was Boston for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Julie, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your background. And so you have a military background of a while, right? I do. I do. Talk, 12 years. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that and your role in the military. Or how, how did you even start? Like, how'd you get into that? Well, I was a really passionate serious kid, teenager. And honestly, I was 16 and really wasn't connecting with, uh, you know, in this time of like the, the heat of the Iraq and Afghanistan war, um, in the early two thousands, uh, just really wasn't connecting with peers in terms of, you know, when you're, when you're teenagers, right. They're focused on, on partying and applying to college and things like that. So when this sort of idea came about, um, it just clicked that this is, this is what I needed to do. Um, so then proceeded months of convincing my parents at the time, the army would allow you to enlist at 17 years old. If your parents signed a waiver, took me months, but I convinced them shipped out to boot camp between my junior and senior year of high school returned after graduating boot camp to my senior year of high school, which was a very bizarre experience. Talk about not connecting with your peers, completed high school, and then shipped back out. Um, and I spent 12 years in the army doing a variety of, of different things. Amazing. <laughs> I, I was determined to do it. So very indicative of who I am today. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so how does fitness and nutrition and health and coaching wrap into coming from this type of a background? Well, as you can imagine, fitness is in- incredibly, it's, it's in the material, the DNA of what makes a soldier, right? We need to be mission capable at all times. So being athletic was always a strong suit of mine, but what really sparked this passion into fitness and nutrition, you know, although I'd had years in the gym, it was also how we bonded. And like, if we had a gym, we could work out in, in Iraq, like that did a lot for our minds and stuff. But I came back from that deployment in Iraq. And, um, unfortunately I was very malnourished, um, and suffering from a lot of depression and anxiety. That was like very difficult, difficult thing. And, um, I felt very weak mentally and physically. And the army said, I don't often share this, but the army said, basically when you're evaluated uh, medically, when you come back, you're at risk of losing your career. And like, nobody was going to take my army career away from me. Um, so especially something that I felt at the time, uh, that I could control, right. I really bore down deep into nutrition and fitness to become stronger. I wasn't going to let this define me. And I hired my first nutrition coach. Uh, so this is back in 2012 and my whole world opened up. I mean, I saw food as fuel. I started understanding quality and quantity of food. It was a female, my only female coach that I ever worked with. And there was a lot of empowering moments that I sort of went through under her guidance. And I went to my next unit after uh, 
um, the army said, you know, they cleared me. I was good to go. And I came in like a bull in a China shop. I mean, I was ready. Staff Sergeant Noise was like ready to demolish. <laughs> and I, I felt like I'd really overcome something. You know, yeah. I really did. I had a second chance. It, so that be- began my second half of my career in the army, which I'm most proud of. Yeah. I really did some things I look back on fondly. So yeah. And so it was then that soldiers started coming to me, males and females for advice. How am I eating? Yeah. How am I training? Um, and soon I got a formal role, an additional duty of mentoring soldiers who were failing their physical fitness tests mm-hmm. and failing their height and weight evaluation. And that I really think is what I look back on as what started my passion for like one-on-one mentoring and teaching and educating and helping people meet their goals, sort of ironic that online coaching back then in 2012 wasn't as big of a thing. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what I was doing was like working one-on-one with people. Uh, so that's how the passion started. And, you know, and then 2020, I was finally able to finish certifications and get the courage to guide others formally and start a business, which is, is scary. You know, like I said earlier, um, I take the, the title of coach very seriously. That's how it all kind of came to be. So incredible as a female to recognize, and I know you and I have talked very much, we will be very clear with our audience that we've talked offline about female (laughs) empowerment and females in the industry of health and fitness. So a couple of things that I wanted to really just dive into, when you realize the difference between eating to fuel your body and not eating to fuel your body, basically, what's the transition in or or some of the things that you kind of took from that experience in terms of realizing that you're fueling your body for the good in terms of quality food, eating more, like just give me kind of like a brief overview of, of some of your thoughts on that. I think, um, it's the same thing as we tell our clients, like the biofeedback, Mm -hmm. I started feeling stronger because I, whether I completely connected the dots at the time, but because I was eating more protein and, Uh, more fruits and vegetables, which I never would have said I was an unhealthy eater prior to working with this nutrition coach, but very misguided. And I probably was eating similarly to a lot of client, female clients that we all see. And the fact of the matter was I was a soldier leading a lifestyle that I needed to be feeling like, like an athlete. I just didn't have that information. So I think it was seeing my strength increase where it's really started clicking like, wow, what I put in my body directly impacts how I'm able to perform. And I started getting compliments, you know, with the guys when I was able to haul something and and that'll do a lot for your confidence as well. Talk about fueling your fire, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you talk about like, okay, it's like fueling an athlete. And oftentimes I find what I find with women in particular is that they're almost kind of training like an athlete and undernourishing their bodies because they're working out so much and it's just hours and hours of cardio. And it's like, well, you're basically a marathon runner and you're not eating anything, right? You're not replenishing your glycogen stores. You're not having, you're barely having any carbohydrates. And I I think one of the valuable things that I want to get from this episode and your journey and your thoughts around nutrition are just that, or like you should be fueling your body and you should be working on building a strong body because a strong body is a healthy body. And I know that we've seen a shift and we've talked about this prior to 
doing this podcast and I mentioned that I think there is a shift in the right direction, but I'd like to see it kind of move along a little bit quicker. Yeah, it started. I mean, the shift is already there. We know that women are now in the gym. They're confident coming into the gym. They're looking for information on how to lift weights in a different way. They're they're inquiring. We're getting coaching inquiries on women understanding that they may not be feeling right. Kind of to your point, Julie, like something's off. I know I should be doing something different, but they don't really know what that different approach is. So it's definitely there. I think one of the biggest missing pieces, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you guys agree, is that our clients don't have that information. From a coaching standpoint, we know and we've experienced women starting to come to us, but I feel like a lot of general population women are still looking to tone instead of build muscle, which is basically what they're saying, and or trying to just get smaller in size in terms of a clothing size and worrying about the number on the scale, as opposed to building muscle And whatever size you fall into building muscle and being stronger is the size that you should be. I say this all the time. Too many women are trying to weigh 130 pounds. But if I say to clients all the time, if if you weigh 130 pounds and you're 50% body fat, which means half of your body is fat weight. If I have you at 150 pounds or 130 pounds at 20% body fat, is that okay? Would you be okay with that? And there's a lot of people that are like, no, I want to be like 115 pounds. Like they just want to be less in weight. Do you feel me? But they don't really care about what the ratio of fat to muscle is on that body in itself. They know they're not feeling right. They know they're, they know something's off, right? Yeah. They, I, they're always saying on consult calls to me, I, I don't know how to eat. Like I, I, you know, information overload. But still the focus on those consult calls, and that's where I hear the theme. It's not just clients. It's like the masses that I I get. I want to be smaller. Mm -hmm. I want to weigh what I did back whenever. So there's still, there's a disconnect. They still equate weighing less and being smaller with better, but they're not feeling great. And and it's, it's easier said than done to, we're making progress we're still not there yet because they're still equating smaller and lighter, better, and not think about how they're feeling, performing, showing up in their lives. Yeah. Walk me through that. Like, so you get a client and you know, they're dealing with this stuff and the three of us deal with this all the time, but I want to get your viewpoint on how do you start to kind of shape that female mindset and start to kind of empower women to say like, well, no, I, I want to build a strong, healthy body and I want to feel good. And, you know, a lot of other things come along with that, that, you know, you're doing agonizing amounts of cardio and you are depleting your body so much. You start to lose your menstrual cycle. You start to, you know, you lose your hair. You, you're not sleeping well. You're stressed out all the time, right? You just, you feel lethargic, right? So I guess from a coaching standpoint, like what, what do you do to kind of try and empower these women to really kind of understand your message? First, a lot of times it can just be like a lot of tough love and just giving it to them straight. If your food logs are showing me that on average, <laughs> you're consuming a thousand to 1400 calories, right. your activity sheet is showing me that on average, you're doing five to six days a week of your cardio classes or whatever. And you feel like absolute crap. You're miserable. So you're reaching out to me to say, I'm unhappy with how much I weigh, with how I feel, with how my body looks. And do you really expect me to take away more food, add more exercise? And Mm -hmm. even if I were to do that, what do you think the end result is? If you're coming to me now and telling me you're miserable, 
you're missing cycles. You're missing yeah. out on life. All, all you have binge re- restrict um, tendencies. So a lot of times it's hitting them with them with hard facts and putting it in very simple terms too, and being kind of tough on them um, instead of using like complicated verbiage. And then saying like, this is going to take time. This is going to take time. And it's going to be so worth it in the end. When we have those phone calls in our check-ins, when I ask them to report back to me something they're proud of that has nothing to do with the scale, a non-scale victory for the week. Mm -hmm. And it starts to change to biofeedback, to strength, to even just, I went in the weight room and wasn't scared for the first yeah. time, you know, listen, I'm not going to, if, if they love their boutique cardio fitness, fitness classes, I'm not going to take them away, but I want to open their minds and their eyes to what strength training can do to their bodies. And another point I'll make is I always try to bring up the conversation of this isn't just for the now for the results now in three months and six months, let's talk about when you are a lot of my I, uh, clients are in their twenties to forties, right? Let's talk about when you're ready to have children. Let's mm-hmm. talk about when uh, you're pre-menopausal, menopausal. Let's talk about the benefits of learning these concepts now and doing things with your concept uh, with your body now that will benefit you when you are in your 50s, your 60s, your 70s. Do you want to be bent over and frail with bones that will break? Like, no, you want to st- live life to its fullest. So I try to over time bring more perspective than reaching out to me just to receive some sort of immediate gratification. Yeah. Which we've talked about so many times, right? Drone that long-term game versus the short-term. You yeah. Know, I, listen, I think, I think many people are short-sighted and it's difficult to kind of change their mind frame. And listen, you've been, let's say three or four years going down this path and you haven't seen results. And then you come to me as a coach or any one of us. And I'm telling you, Hey, this is process. Like you said, Julie is going to take time. And it's like, Oh, well, like I want it right now. And it's like, well, what's the difference? You've been doing this for three and four, three or four years, and it hasn't been working for you anyway. So what's another six months or what's another year? It's a year. And this is where I start to put things in perspective for people where that I tell them, what is one year for the rest of your life? In the grand scheme of things, if you're 30 years old and you've got another 50 years to live or 60 years to live, however long you're going to live, what is one year of focusing on health and wellness and really kind of building your body up in the grand scheme of the rest of your life? You're going to blink your eyes. That time's going to go by anyway, and either you're going to be where you want or closer to where you want to be or you're not. So either you're on board with this or go find another coach that's going to agree with you and completely give you a program that isn't really going to help you in the long run and work with them because it, it, this I'm not going to give you what you're asking for. Absolutely. I'm not going to give you what you're. And I think as coaches, there needs to be more responsible coaches out there that are willing to say that. I know I do. And that's when I, I understand I'm not the coach for everybody and I'm perfectly comfortable and content with that, uh, because it would go against everything that I believe if I were to do something that I knew was, was harmful to this individual, uh, just because they couldn't invest six months a year into this. So talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges that either you faced in this fitness industry or that you see other women facing in general. Okay. So I think, 
Yeah, I will own that I'm still new to the industry on this side of things. But what I will say so far that I'm experiencing is the ability to come out with a voice that isn't woo-woo. That doesn't mean that I'm not compassionate. I don't have empathy. I don't want to listen or understand struggles that women in particular go through. But I have strong opinions. I have a pretty direct way of delivering them sometimes. And I think men in the industry seem to have a lot of success in being able to come out and have strong, I mean, Darone, you're even one of them, you know, there, you can come out and just say it like it is. Um, so that's just something from my prerogative that I'm still working on finding my, my messaging. And I think is difficult based on being a, a female because, you know, you don't want to scare people off. Uh, but again, it doesn't come from a place of, of not having compassion or not wanting to listen to, to struggles. That's from my side of the fitness industry. As far as struggles for women starting or on their own journey, um, whether it's weight loss, whether you know it's a fitness journey in particular, what I've noticed is information overload. They're overcomplicating things and jumping from one thing to the next thing. I mean, on a consult call, we all do this, right? What have you tried before? Yep. And the list is just, and, um, I think, you know, social media can, can be great in some ways and other ways it it's just too much. And how do they know how to sift through the, can we swear on this podcast? Absolutely. How, how can they sift through the crap there? <laughs> That's a little safer, you know? And I think there's, they get overwhelmed. And then they either jump from one to the other, like, oh, but look at the transformation results that, that this woman had on, on this program, but, and then jump to this versus really digging, committing to something, to something and really digging deep. And I think that's a challenge that a lot of women face currently. Absolutely. Instead of focusing on themselves, they're worried about what all their friends are doing and how much weight they lost and maybe they should try it. Yeah. I see the value in community and in, in wanting support. I do, but it's that. And maybe, you know, Nicole, this is probably what makes you and I a, a little bit different is that the need for like, whatever the group is doing, yes. you know, and group weight loss challenges, mm -hmm. group fitness cl uh, classes and group this and group that. And again, I, I see the value in that to have support systems and, and people to talk to. However, nutrition, fitness, fitness is very individualized mm -hmm. and they are not you. So I yeah. think that that's where, uh, you have to not be afraid to go out on your own. Say it again and mm -hmm. do what is good for you and you alone and tune out the noise. Yeah. And I feel well, like we could do something with my last name with that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there are too many women like I've had, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've had this in my individual calls where someone will say to me, I went to, I don't know, dinner with friends and three of the girls were drinking and I'm on a fitness journey. So I chose not to drink, but then I felt really guilty that I was letting them drink quote unquote alone, or I didn't drink with them. And I'm like, oh my goodness, for the love of all things, holy, please just speak your mind and stand your ground. Like you don't need to have the drink or you don't eat the French fries in this meal or whatever it is. And if they're really your friends, they will be supportive. They're going to be supportive and back off. Yeah. You know, and it's all of these little comments that really say more about them than they do about the friend that's trying to make a different choice in that moment. 
oh, come on, live a little. Oh, you could have another. Yes. Oh, you, you know, and so you have to be assertive, be confident in your choices and understand that you are making a, a shift in your relationship with this friend group. And it is okay. And again, if, if they're friends that actually care about you and support you, it is okay to say, no, thank you. No explanation needed. You don't have to justify yeah. your food choices, your exercise choices, and go on a, a soliloquy to defend what you're doing. <laughs> so I think it's that group think mentality that sometimes can be counterproductive to women trying to actively make changes. You know, the thing I always say about the social situations is like, like you guys kind of alluded to is this is your journey. It's your personal journey. And you really need to take a hard look at like, I'm, I'm walking and I, I don't know if I'm just getting older and I'm starting to kind of realize this, that like, I kind of almost segue away from like the herd mentality. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do what other people are doing. I want to be great. And whatever that takes. And I do understand the value of having good friends and good people around you and social support. But like at this point in my life, you know, you reach a certain point where you focus so much on yourself and your own personal growth and development. And you're just like, well, if you don't serve a positive purpose in my life, if you're not going to support me with what I want to do and you're going to be negative about it and you're going to shit on it, I'm just going to quietly step away. I'm not going to say anything to you. I don't have I don't have to make a fuss about it. Like why you don't support me. I'm just going to stay in my lane. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm going to get where I'm going. And I think more people need to think about like I'm walking this path alone. This is my journey, my path, my life. I'm going to make the decisions that are right for me. Nobody else needs to understand them. Nobody else needs to agree with them, but either get on board or you're not going to get out of my way or get out of my way. Exactly. <laughs> you, that's such an excellent point. And, um, I'm, I'm very much of the same mentality and it's okay that certain friend groups are going to serve a purpose at certain points in your life mm -hmm. or certain things in your life. And, like you said, Daron, you don't have to make a big fuss or statement about it or declaration, but you can pull away if that is no longer supportive of you, just like I'm sure they would do, you know, if it was a new career that impacted their social life or um, having a family or uh, running a business, whatever. So why is your health suddenly negotiable with your friend group? Because if it came to their kids, if, if that friend group wasn't supportive, yeah. of them missing out on things with their children, I am certain that they would have something to say, yeah. right? So when you are out to dinner with friends and the typical habit that you would have is, you know, the bread basket, the appetizer, one drink, then entrees, then another and another and another, and now you've changed and they have something to say about it. This is about you and you alone. This isn't about them. So Julie, we talked offline about the kind of just, I guess, the female mindset in general around like mm -hmm. fitness, nutrition, weightlifting, things of that sort. I really want to get out of you the like some of your thoughts around that. Just, I guess, I don't know how I'm trying to word it, like women in society and, and some of the things that you see kind of women embodying and yeah. some of the things that you think women should embody instead of, you know, where they they're don't. Weren't like, yeah, where they're currently at. So something that I think and have seen a great deal of fear, which we all have male, female, but in women, it seems to be 
fear of physical discomfort, even if it's perceived, even if they haven't felt it before, they're so intimidated or fearful of it. They're not even willing to try because they assume that whatever they're seeing and viewing as intimidating is going to be so awful, so uncomfortable, so terrible. They won't even try. It's not necessarily, I'm not going to say it's about fearlessness. We're all afraid of something of many things. And so am I in life and have been, but it's embracing that fear. It's recognizing, yeah, this scares the hell out of me. I am terrified. I'm nervous, but rather than letting that hold you back, going all in, get hard, get messy, try it. What's funny about that is women bear children and there's not a woman in the world. I know you will relate to this now, but and that's what I'm terrified. Of. There's not a woman in the world that was like, I'm not going to have sex because if I get pregnant, then I have to have a baby. Nobody goes down that road. We don't think about that in the moment when you're planning to have a child. You have the fun, you get pregnant and then you go for it. You go all in, even if you're afraid of giving birth. Right. So if we can do that, I have said this to so many female clients. You gave birth to four humans and you're worried about stepping up to a barbell for a deadlift. The phrase I I really, it gets to me and maybe it's just, it's very personal to me, but like, I'll hear a lot like, oh, I could never do that. I could never do what you do. I can't. Mm -hmm. They're already deciding that whatever they viewed as scary, as challenging, as intimidating, like, oh, I could just never (laughs) put that in your head. They did. And I think it's also part of that with, when it comes to lifting is the fear of the result, right? If they oh, think they're going to get big and bulky, go ahead. I'm going to backtrack. They, okay. I don't think they put that in their heads. I think that societal norms put this in people's head, just like other, other things. Like- yeah, but they carry it then. They take it, put the suitcase down, let it go. Because there are plenty of women that are also in the same society that don't carry that, right? So the women that decide this isn't what I should be doing, or maybe I shouldn't. And we're talking about health and fitness. I'm talking about lifting weights and changing your body to be healthy and better. So for the women that go into the gym and make a decision to step up to a barbell and give it a shot, and the women that stand back and are hesitating, that's what we're talking about here. They're worried about the result, not giving them what they want. That's what I believe. I, 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 I see both. I think it's physical discomfort. As soon as something for a lot of women, and I'm just going to put it out there, as soon as something feels slightly uncomfortable physically, which, and to your point, Nicole, but if they've done other things in life, like play a sport, have children. Um, so I think it's that aspect. And then I do think, uh, you're correct there, the fear of the result, which they view as a a negative, um, and clearly they're misguided in, in how that all happens, but that's what I, see and hear, especially when it comes to strength training, because they feel comfortable Mm -hmm. in their boutique cardio classes. Great. That still aren't getting the results that they want. Right. Correct. But they'll come in to lift and stand in front of the bar. And the first thing that they say to me is, is this going to make me big? I've heard, I hear it. I had literally left the gym today, my last client, and I increased her weight on something. And she was like, you're, you're sure, Nicole, this isn't going to make my shoulders too big because, you know, I don't want to look like Daron. This is my thing that drives me nuts when people are like, well, I don't want to look big and bulky. And they, they do this like shoulder, like round shoulder thing with their hands. And then they look at me <laughs> and I'm like, you're completely discrediting, first of all, how hard I've worked, 
and how many thousands upon thousands of calories I've had to eat to get to where I am over the course of 15 plus years. I mean, I went from 17 to 31, I think was the last time I competed, right? Like that's a lot of years. Also, like I I have testosterone and you have testosterone, but it's like at a level of 50 and mine's in the mid hundreds, right? So like it's you're completely different. You're not going to look like a man because you aren't a man. And I, but I think had so- women on consult calls simultaneously coming to me asking for my help and will insult my physique in the process. <laughs> I want to be toned, Julie, but not um, as much as you, but I don't want to look like you. I don't, I don't want to look like muscular and bulky like you and, and drone. When you said like, you're discrediting, like I didn't pick up a weight and six months later, Ta-da. Also, a lot of it was from functional fitness. Like I, it was built out of things I did in the army and being athletic and, you know, not just for aesthetics, but exactly. It's, um, that, that fear immediately, Nicole, that we have them touch a heavier weight. It's scary because it's new and challenging, but then also equating it to bulky and, and looking manly, which, which is (laughs) conflating the two. And yet the women that they're looking at and they're saying, Mm -hmm. hey, I want to look like that. They're lifting weights on a regular basis four or five days a week. They're not sitting there starving themselves and doing cardio. Right. That's not a yoga body. Right. (laughs) But I also think that part of the the, the part, well, not part, but a lot of that fear is they think that, you know, women, women are very simple in one aspect. (laughs) We're complicated in pretty much everything else. But in one thing is, if I do A, B, C, and D, then E should absolutely happen, right? There's logic behind that process. If I, if I do these three things, then I'm going to get to number four. And with fitness and nutrition, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes you do A, B, C, and D, and you may be a little off to the left. You may be a little off to the right. You may have to make adjustments. There's no clear path. There has to be some wishy-washiness to it. And the minute females feel like there's wishy-washy, this is where they go to a different program and they start jumping around instead of holding down and being like, just finish the process, stick with me, and let's let's keep hammering through what we need to get to. And then we'll get to the place where we figure out what your body needs. This is, goes back, Julie, to what you're saying about the individual. And I say this literally almost every hour on the hour. You have to give yourself a chance to get there before you start making all these crazy thoughts like oh, it's not working it's not happening i haven't gotten there blah 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 like that type of and this goes back to leaning into the mindset like give it a minute <laughs> literally give it a month <laughs> right right it it takes it takes time and by you hopping from one class one program to the next how do you expect to learn what actually is working and isn't right. working for your body? I think I, I just posted about this yesterday, right? Even if we all ate the same, trained the same, mm-hmm. we're all going to look completely different. And it's, so it's, that's another thing. I don't know where this plays into what we've already kind of touched on, um, but how individualized and how these cookie cutter programs, mm-hmm. well, I suppose I could see some validity for certain parts of the population to get them started. Right. But if you have a specific goal in mind, we're going to have to individualize um, and get specific to your body, your metabolic and dieting history and and all of these things. And it takes time. If you jump around, I don't know how to help you. Yeah. 
And also going back to how to empower women, like you empower women by letting them make mistakes, letting them crash, burn and become stronger every time they stand up and try again. You can't live in the, the, I call them living in the clouds of the poofy, fluffy unicorns where everything is perfect and nothing really goes wrong. You have to make mistakes. And again, I talk to my clients about this all the time. I, I, I overrate on vacation. Wonderful. <laughs> Nicole, what are you talking about? I'm like, what did you learn? What can we do better? So stop being afraid of making mistakes and correcting. What did you need? What do you need to do different? And I think that's also you know, women like to be perfect, like the perfect, it has to be perfect, a perfect workout, a perfect meal plan to fit in a perfect pair of jeans and a perfect dress and a perfect whatever. And I just the all or nothing all mentality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, well, that's like the fear, right? The fear. I mean, a lot of the fear is fear of failure. Right. And if you had a Sunday brunch with the girls and you had some mimosas or, you know, whatever you do <laughs> on a Sunday brunch. Right. And you I have tequila. I don't know what you're talking you, about. You ate whatever you ate. And it's like, oh, well, shit just hit the fan. And you know what? Like, that's it. Screw it. I'm just going to throw it all out. Like, I can't do right. this. I really want to get into, I guess, Julie, I'll word it kind of this way. If there are like three major messages that you want to leave women with on this episode to empower them, what, what do you think those would look like? Get comfortable being uncomfortable, sit in it, allow yourself to be uncomfortable. I think actually Nicole hit on one that I'll throw in there too, is, uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes and fail. I think that is a really important part of the process is if it scares you good, try it. What, it, what are you learning from it when you inevitably do fail or don't hit that hundred percent, you know, perfection right out of the gate. And then thirdly, in terms of empowering themselves is stop underestimating what you're stop Girl. underestimating what you're capable of mm-hmm. setting, you know, those self-limiting beliefs right out of the gate on a, on a consult call. Oh, I could never, Oh, I'm too afraid to do that. Well, I couldn't, I can't, that looks too scary to end stop underestimating yourself. You are far more capable than what you give yourself credit. People aren't just born inherently good at things or super confident. I think at least what I've learned from my own journey in putting myself in situations where I was petrified, I didn't let anybody know that, but I was petrified (laughs) is throwing myself in the fire and just being like, well, I'm going to try my damned hardest. And I'm so scared of failure. I'm so scared of making a fool out of myself, but I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do it. And I'm telling you on the other side of that is so much belief in yourself and confidence. You feel invincible and you're like, what next? What can I do next? Bring it on next. Bring it on, get hard, get messy, allow it to be messy. We're kind of supposed to suck at things. I think the beauty of it is in the fact that you try something and you suck at it and you fall on your face a hundred times. And then, you know, time number one Oh one, you get up and you just dominate. And yes, it, it takes time for you to get to that point. But like, it's completely healthy to suck at things. Like, I think that oftentimes people look at people and they're like, oh, well, they're so good at that thing. Well, they weren't always good at it. Thank you. I used to get, I'm going to refer to really where I got this mentality is a a thousand percent due to my military career. And because of how constantly for my entire 12 years, I was underestimated and I wasn't 
naturally good at things. And because I did well on physical fitness tests, on ruck marches, on these competitions that I did, people would say like, well, it's easy for you. Or they would sort of take away the hard work that I'd, I'd put in. And truly that work ethic came from being underestimated. I'll never forget like day one of boot camp, I was called Barbie by the drill sergeants. I mean, they saw me and it was a feeding frenzy. They couldn't wait to tear me to shreds. I wasn't confident. I was terrified, but it was in those moments where I was like, I'm not going to let them break me. I'm not going to let them see me cry. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to suck. I'm not the fastest runner, but I kept putting in everything. I kept giving it my all and messing up and not always coming out on top. But eventually you learn not only about yourself, you know, in terms of, again, confidence and, and work ethic, but like what you are capable of doing. And I think that's really powerful. I really do is being terrified, being uncomfortable, embracing it, letting it be messy, making mistakes, and you keep driving, you keep pushing. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to follow Julie, it's Noise Nutrition, correct? That's correct. And that's N-O-Y-E-S Nutrition on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 